Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio as we continue our study in the book of Revelation. Today, we're in Revelation chapter 7, and we're going to be talking about the seal of the living God. Just backing up for a moment, in Revelation 6, we saw the opening of the first six of the seven seal judgments. And now in chapter 7, we're not going to see this seventh seal open. We're actually going to have a type of interlude in between the opening of the sixth seal and the seventh seal, which isn't really open for us until we get to chapter 8. So, I'm going to tell you a real simple way to understand what is going on in Revelation chapter 7. If any time you can get a real simple, clear picture of what's going on in any of the chapters of Revelation, hang on to it. And it's this. In chapter 6, we saw a number of earth-shaking events through the four horses for the great earthquake. Uh, The earth moved from its place. I mean, these are the six seals. And when we get to the end of chapter six, people are saying, fall on us to the mountains and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne. And then the chapter ends with this question, who can stand before it? Who can stand before the throne of the Lamb of God? Chapter seven of the book of Revelation answers that question. Who can stand before the throne of the Lamb of God? Listen to Revelation 7, starting in verse 9. After this, I looked, and a great multitude, which no man could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. There you have your answer to the final question of Revelation 6. Who can stand before the throne? The great multitude that we encounter in Revelation chapter 7. Now, who are these people? Well, we begin with Revelation 7 with a description of the 12 tribes of Israel, and each tribe is, say, there's 12,000 from this tribe, 12,000 from that tribe, and there were 12 tribes in ancient Israel, but they say that this multitude is 144,000. Now, some folks, like the Jehovah's Witnesses, took this very literally and said there is only 144,000 that will be able to go to heaven with Jesus, and now their numbers have grown past 144,000, so they cooked up some other ways to do this. Uh, A number of people see this, particularly the pre-trib rapture folks, see this group as something distinct from the whole multitude of the redeemed. We call that the church, because with the coming of the New Testament, the church isn't just Jewish, it's Jew and Gentile. That's the New Testament church. 
And what's 144,000? Well, it's 12 times 12. It's 12 cubed times 1,000. And that's just a way of saying a whole lot of people. Now, it's interesting, besides the pre-trib rapture people seeing this as literally Jewish converts during the Great Tribulation, they don't, because they believe that the the church, at least the church that believes like they do, will be long gone by the time you get to Revelation chapter 7. They'll be raptured out of the earth. So this is literally Jewish Christians. And I found it quite surprising that the Catholic Ignatius Study Bible sees the remnant of Israel in these first eight verses with these 12 tribes, and we have 12,000 in each tribe. I think really what is being expressed here is the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham in Genesis 22, where God said to Abraham, I will bless you and I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And these are figurative ways. You can say 12 times 12 times 1,000, or you could say the number of stars in heaven or the amount of sand on the seashore. This is just trying to say a whole lot of people. I take the 144,000 as the complete number of the people of God. And it's interesting, one of the earlier commentaries on the book of Revelation was the Venerable Bede. Did you know that he wrote a commentary on Revelation? He lived between 672 and 735, and he said this of the 144,000, and I quote, By this finite number is signified the innumerable multitude of the whole church. Well put, and I'll plant my flag right there. It's also interesting that the Catechism of the Catholic Church describing the redeemed people of God in the New Covenant in paragraph 1138 says this, the new people of God, and then parentheses, the 144,000, and the footnote for that paragraph is Revelation 7, verses 1 through 8. So, It's not the remnant of Israel. It's the whole new people of God, according to the Catechism, according to the Venerable Bede. And I just kind of plant my flag in that perspective. If you differ, we're still friends. All right. Now, a lot of folks, and there's there's two sides to this. There's the one hand, the rapture at any moment uh, type of people, and they believe that the redeemed being described after Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1 are for people who convert during the seven-year tribulation while they're in heaven, or perhaps Jewish believers who convert. On the other hand, you have quite a number of scholarly interpreters of the book of Revelation that say this book, entire book, is talking about a 70 AD judgment upon the nation of Israel. I actually embraced that for a time. I actually embraced almost every one of these perspectives for a time and then basically grew out of it as I saw its weaknesses. For instance, in the first verse of chapter seven, it says, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Again, this is figurative language, but 
what is it describing? North, south, east, and west. You could also say the entire globe. That's all it's trying to say. And so to try to limit the book of Revelation or even chapter 7 to a 70 AD judgment upon the nation Israel, these were people living in Asia Minor threatened by the persecution and the emperor worship in the Roman Empire. And it you know, this wasn't written to believers in Jerusalem. These were written for folks living in a basically secular empire that was about to stomp its boot upon them. Also, you can't limit this to the nation of Israel. Look at verse 9. It says, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one can number, from every nation, every tribe, peoples, and tongues. In other words, it's saying everybody, all different parts of the earth. Now, here's the point, and this is where we get the seal of the living God. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascend from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God, and he called out with a loud voice, to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God upon their foreheads. Part of that question that ends chapter 6, who can stand before God? Well, we stand before God because of the salvation that the Lamb has provided, but what about all this other type of uh, tragic apocalyptic judgments going on? Well, it seems the idea is that a ceiling on the forehead is quite necessary. And you'd say, okay, sign me up. Where, where do I get that seal? Well, actually, if you look at the Catechism of the Catholic Church and the New Testament, there are two sacraments relating to the seal both baptism and confirmation, and I think particularly confirmation in the context of chapter 7 of Revelation. But it says in, for instance, paragraph 1272 of the Catechism, baptism seals the Christian. And paragraph 1274, the Holy Spirit has marked us with the seal of the Lord. And those two references are talking about baptism. And remember, baptism and confirmation are not really to be viewed as things like the East Coast of the United States and the West Coast of the United States and separated by a great distance. But no, these two things are, are two parts, so to speak, of our becoming fully initiated into Christ. Then talking, the catechism talking about confirmation says, by this anointing, the confirmand receives the mark the seal of the Holy Spirit. And then here's your most important paragraph of the Catechism of the Catholic Church regarding the sealing in Revelation 7, and it's paragraph 1296. It says, Christians are also marked with a seal. It is God who establishes us with you. He has put his seal upon us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The seal of the Holy Spirit marks our total belonging to Christ, now listen, as well as the promise of divine protection 
in the great eschatological trial. And the footnote for that promise of divine protection in the great eschatological trial is Revelation chapter 7, verses 2 through 3, as well as Revelation chapter 9, and we'll talk about that when we get there. There's a book explaining the Catechism of the Council of Trent entitled The Catechism Explained, and it says this about confirmation. St. Vincent is of the opinion that at the end of the world, the Antichrist will spare no effort to deter Christian people from receiving the sacrament of confirmation, as in such a case they would more readily apostatize from the faith. And since confirmation confirms the will, it makes it easier for those who have received it to resist temptation and thus avoid sin. And the stronger the will, the less difficult does the practice of virtue become. You know, my concern is a lot of people who don't even think we will Christians will be here on earth during Revelation chapter 7 events, and many of those same very sincere Christians don't even practice the sacrament of confirmation. We need to learn our biblical prophecy not only to assure ourselves that we have the seal, but we need to be able to explain the teaching of the Catechism, that's section 1296, the promise of divine protection in the great eschatological trial. I'm Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to episode 85 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.